Two key starters on both sides of the ball for Utah are moving on. One to the NFL and the other hit the transfer portal. Let's talk about how Utah will go about replacing them on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube and wherever you may get your podcast. If this is your first time listening to our show, make sure you like and subscribe. Love interacting with all of you in the YouTube comments as well as on social media. You can follow our show at Lockdown Utes on X. Today's episode of Lockdown Utes is brought to you by PrizePix. You can go to prizepix.com slash college and use code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. Daily Fantasy Sports made easy. My name is JT Wistrasso, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. On today's show, I want to talk about two key players from Utah's team this past season that both will no longer be with the team. As I mentioned, one of them via the transfer portal, the other off to the NFL, and how Utah is going to uh, go about replacing them. That'll be more in the second segment. And want to close with the Utah men's and women's basketball update. Both of them got some wins this week and then are set for big matchups this coming weekend. But talking about first, the big news was uh, JT Broughton today. We've been tra- we've been waiting to talk about Tower for a little bit now, but then Mikey Matthews and all these other things that popped up. So I do think it's fair to start with uh, with Broughton first. But JT Broughton's moving on. He's been a guy who's been with the team for a few seasons now. When you look at the season that Broughton had overall, had 36 total tackles, only two passes deflected. But look, JT Broughton at times this season did not play great, but I will still say this. I think I see a lot of people, I've seen a couple of people on social media, you know, saying like, oh, he wasn't good this season. I do, I do disagree with that. He was still good. Yes, he got beat at times, but this Utah defense was really good on the season. If you look at the teams that beat them, it's Arizona, it's Oregon, it's Washington, and I mean, even, yeah, maybe a time or two against USC, but I don't know. I felt like Utah hung in pretty good against USC. And so it's like, and even against a team like Oregon, like you, t- yes, Oregon took their foot off the gas. I will say at the same time, but like they put together a good half against Oregon, they put together a good half against Washington. Like yes, Broughton got beat at times, but they beat those offenses beat everyone. And when I say everyone, I mean everyone. Oregon and Washington both put up points, even against each other, they put up high amounts of points. So like I still feel like JT Broughton did a good job this season. Did he get beaten coverage in moments and opportunities? Yes, he did at times. Gave up probably a few too many big plays. So that's why I'm not like, oh, he was a first team all Pac-12 guy. But I, I still thought he was pretty good overall in the season. So I think that's where we do have to remember like how dominant and successful the Utah defense was in totality Rather than, yes, they got gashed in a few games, but also who didn't get gashed by those teams. I also just think that's important and bears mentioning. But Broughton, definitely surprised to see him hit the transfer portal. I don't know. In today's world, it could be an unrelated. It could be just going off for another opportunity. It's uh, it's the world of college football we live in now, right? But uh, when you talk about JT Broughton, once again, just a mainstay of this Utah secondary, and I am... I'm very curious to see where he where he ends up because he's not coming. I will say, even though I've just defended him, he's not. It's not like he's coming off his best season. I feel like you even look to last year was probably a little bit better for him, and obviously dealt with injuries. Uh, did go did miss that 2021 season for Utah. So there's been there's been some stuff there in his past, but um, we're just for missing injuries as well. And he's a guy who's been in college for a few seasons now. He is designated as a senior, but he's a guy who's been with the program since 2019. 
and has played in a lot of games throughout his career at Utah and has uh, done a really good job defensively. So he's a guy Utah will miss. And once again, we'll talk kind of about who some of those players are. I think that Utah will look to replace Broughton because when you get a guy in the secondary who's that reliable, who's shooting that many much good football and help this defense be successful, it is a big loss. And speaking of big losses, that's because Atawa Laumei is at the right tackle spot for Utah. While Atawa was not one of the best tackles in the nation, he was still one of the better tackles in the Pac-12 to me. And I've long said before, too, he's an NFL guard, and you saw him get beat from time to time. But Satao is a really good player and one that Utah will definitely miss. He's been consistently really stout for them, whether that's at guard or at tackle. He's been key to them for the past two seasons now. Part of the reason they've won back, they did win back-to-back Pac-12 championships. And even this year, he that they were able to keep guys like Bryson Barnes upright for the most part, even if there were games like the pick six Bryson threw against USC. Like that was Satawa, Satawa getting beat, but still overall in the season. Satawa did a very good job and any tackles. I mean, they're both so important. Each left side more so, of course, because of the blind side, but right tackles become is, is easily very important too. Like you see NFL teams, they place a premium on both tackle positions now. And for good reason, they're extremely valuable. So it was nice for Utah to have a reliable veteran who's capable of dealing with some of those elite pass rushers because yes, Satawa would get beat as I've said a few times now. But he would never get like, man, Satawa is just getting destroyed play after play. That wasn't the case, right? Like Spencer Fano at times, we saw him go through rough stretches. We saw Satawa would get beat on a play, but I never feel like on a series it was like, man, he's going through a rough stretch. He would, I felt like he bounced back pretty well if he would give up a pressure or something like that. But this is a big loss for Utah. And Satawa, a guy that, uh, you know, getting this opportunity as senior role is, is exceptional for him. And I'm excited to see what he's going to do with that. As I said, I think he's an NFL guard, but I've long, I think Satawa will be the highest Utah player drafted this season. I don't think that's saying anything crazy off the top of my head. Just offensive linemen are at a premium in the NFL. And I think Satawa is ready to go in and contribute as a guard. I expect him to be in that kind of third to fourth fourth round draft range as a guy who does offer good power on the interior and I think is solid in pass protection still and that's where he'll benefit from not having to deal with uh you know those elite edge rushers and that he dealt with in college or I should say well you're going to deal with elite rushers in the NFL obviously but it's easier to help when on the interior than on the outside plus the towel I feel like he would deal better with kind of the bigger guys that he'll see those D tackles normally rather than some of those players like a lot to you see off the edge he's just not as equipped to handle those elite edge rushers at the NFL level but I think he'll do well on the interior against those defensive linemen but once again just a consistent player for Utah who's been so successful at keeping quarterbacks up for the past few seasons a guy is reliable and has generated movement consistently in the run game like these are the losses we're starting to see the losses the last few weeks like we heard Devon Bailey was kind of the first big loss to me then when you talk about Mikey Matthews Satow is a guy who left last week as well we just haven't been able to talk about this week as I said and then JT Brown like these are losses where I'm like ooh these hurt the Depth losses, maybe long-term they hurt, but also with the way that transfer, the transfer portal works, I just I trust Utah to be able to bring in guys. And that's what we're going to be talking about on next week's Lockdown Utes a lot is a lot of these players and guys that Utah is bringing in for a visit. Um, even this coming week, we're going to see Utah bring in a few of them because that's the way college football is really played right now is you need to have great transfer players coming into your team. And uh, Utah's done a very good job of that. They're bringing in, I think Kyle Whittingham even mentioned that, they're bringing in less recruits because of how heavy of an emphasis they are placing on the transfer portal. And why would you bring in a freshman if you want to compete right now? You would rather go get someone who's ready to help you compete right now, like Miles Battle and Leavon DeMuni helped Utah do this past season. And I do expect Utah to look that way to replace 
potentially a couple of these guys. We'll talk about some transfer portal options as well as other options that Utah will utilize to replace Satao Laumea and JT Broughton. We're going to be discussing those in one moment. But first, want to dive a little deeper with all of you into our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. We are the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than two to six player stat projections and watch those winnings roll in. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball with a special leagues, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you could do LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a combo of 10 10.5 three-pointers made plus receptions. And one thing I love about prize pick is they offer a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, the player is rebooted. Prize picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance policy. You can go to prize picks today slash locked on college and use the code locked on college. That's all all lowercase, no cap, nothing capitalized, no spaces for a first deposit match up to $100. Once again, go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use that code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Also want to talk to all of you about our friends at UCCU. The UCCU mobile banking app that pays your entire family to learn about money. Kids look to parents to become more financially literate. Parents don't always know the answers. Learn and Earn breaks down financial topics into fun, bite-sized educational games like quizzes and trivia. Every time a family member completes a topic, they earn points that can occur and can be redeemed for gift cards to stores like Amazon, Apple, Sephora, Walmart, Nike, and more. There is age-appropriate content for every member of the family who can compete against each other and track their progress on leaderboards. Learn and Earn is inside the UCCU mobile banking app, so you can play anytime, anywhere. The more you play, the more you learn, and the more you learn, the more you earn. Learn and Earn, part of UCCU's award-winning Be Money Smart youth banking program helping kids teens and parents have fun while becoming more financially literate together uccu love where you bank all right coming back in this one let's talk about who is going to be replacing these key players that utah just lost because these are positions once again like if utah wants to win the big 12 next year getting these positions right is paramount Thankfully for Utah, I think they have players on the roster already that I would feel comfortable with stepping in. And if not, we always know the transfer portal is, of course, an option for all of these positions. First, when you're talking about replacing a JT Braun, I think there's a couple of names that come to mind right away. Now, one thing that's huge with losing JT Braun, it makes it that much more important that Zamaya Vaughn came back, right? Without Z Zamaya, you'd be down Zamaya and JT. So your top two corners exiting? No. Now you have your top, you always, already had your top corner back in Zamaya, and now you lose your number two corner in JT. So this is where I think it is nice for Utah that Vaughn is back. So it's about finding those other pieces around them. Now, thankfully, there are still, even with Miles Battle departing, there are still two Utah cornerbacks who logged a lot of minutes for Utah this season. The first one of those who's still currently on the roster being a guy in Teo Johnson. Now, Teo, we heard that he was potentially going to get moved to safety next season, but if Cole Bishop does end up coming back and I mean, the longer we wait, the more likely that is to me. I guess we'll see after the bowl game. But if Cole Bishop and Sione Vaki come back, those are just two great safeties. You're going to want them at, at, on the field at the same time, even if they are more 
both kind of that stronger safety type mold is where they're more comfortable with overall, but still just really good playmakers. You're going to want them on the field together. There won't be as many opportunities for Teo at safety. There's going to be more for him at cornerback. And I thought Teo really grew throughout the season. I really liked him at safety, but I also thought at corner, you could see moments. Like I remember one game against Washington. I mentioned mo moments of growth, but I'm going to take a moment where they're like, he missed up. Um, he was in position to make a play on the Washington receiver who caught the pass in the corner of the end zone, but unfortunately just didn't make a good play on the ball. But that to me, that's like, okay, you're in the position. You just didn't make the play on the ball. That is signs. I like, if you can stick with the guy, then that's where I think like Sharif Shaw, Morgan Scali are like, we can help you break up that pass from there as we get you more comfortable with this position. So that's where I feel encouraged about the process that I saw Teo make this season. Also made a number of nice tackles and other plays throughout the year. And yeah, Teo's a guy that I do have some confidence with finished the year. Tied for second on the team in pass breakups with four overall, had 30 tackles in total, and that long length, and I think just another year being more naturally integrated into the cornerback position will be good for him. He's a guy I look for to potentially be a starter for Utah this coming year. Also, another guy who got some opportunities, and it was a true freshman. How about Smith Snowden, the Sky Ridge High School product who come in and got a few opportunities throughout the season. And Snowden, you know, 5'10", 180, we always, some people like to call him, Clark Phillips, just because he was a little bit on, you know, the next high recruit that came in, I think a little, maybe a little undersized as well for the position, but he's a guy who did see action a lot this season, saw action in 10 games in total, had six tackles on the season with a season best three in the Utah's win over Arizona State. Thank you, Utah Athletics website for those numbers. But Smith, Smith Snowden's a guy, four-star recruit. We we're always very high. And it felt like he would have to sit this year because of the talent that Utah had at defensive back, which is how it played out. And I think next year is going to be a really good opportunity for him to jump in and nab one of those starting spots. And I expect him to do really well. I mean, he's a guy that was a huge get for Utah at the time, and nothing's really changed in that regard, in my opinion. He is still a guy who's going to be very good at, just after a year of college and getting his body and just speed up and all of those things, and just having the opportunity to learn from coaches like Sharif Shaw and Morgan Scally, I think he'll be ready to take the next step. And another guy I'd love to see take that next step is a CJ Blocker. That's a guy we didn't really get to see much of this season, but another four-star corner. And, you know, according to the Utah Athletics website, he did not see any game action, but he was a guy who was ranked the number 17th cornerback in the country. Let's not forget by 24-7 sports. So he's a guy who oozes potential as well. When you're talking about he's six feet, so a little bit taller, but that wingspan is something I know that stood out to me. So I think Blocker's a guy as well who could definitely emerge if maybe Cole Bishop does surprises and a Teo Johnson does go to safety. I would expect to see a lot of Zamaya Vaughn, Smith Snowden, CJ Blocker. And I think that is a chance to be a really dangerous group of cornerbacks for Utah if Snowden if Snowden and CJ Blocker can hit their potential. And I think there's a really high chance that those players would be able to do so. So those are the cornerbacks. And once again, the transfer portal is of course an option, just like last year. We saw Miles Battle come in. I will be very interesting to see. And I'd be surprised if Utah didn't bring in a veteran defensive back at this point, because it did work well for them last year. Okay, moving on to Satawa now. When you're looking at Utah's options at right tackle, Spencer Fano, obviously the guy at the left tackle spot for Utah next season still, we assume, but there's a few options for Utah at right tackle. I think the first one that comes to mind, at least for me, is Tongai, and he's a guy who got some minutes and opportunities this season because he was kind of rotating in with Spencer Fano. 
And Tong Ai is another is a guy too who I just I like the way he played in those. I like the potentially showed. I should say that because there were definitely some. There was probably more downs than up. Maybe I'm trying to remember back on the film I watched. I yeah, you know, maybe towards the end of the season though, I saw improvement. I thought kind of early on that was an I left tackle was an issue for Utah honestly throughout the majority of the season. But I thought Tong Ai is a guy who has shown that good potential to potentially be a starting tackle for Utah, and I think there could be an opportunity for him to start on the right side. So and I you know left tackle is harder to play. And in my opinion, still, because that's usually where the best edge rushers line up, even though you do need two elite elite tackles. And I don't think there's a huge drop off between left and right. But I would love to see Tongai get that opportunity on the right tackle spot. I feel like he's the most ready tackle on the roster currently for Utah. Next up would be a guy like a Falcon Kalmatule. We thought he was going to be the starting left tackle. Didn't quite get that role. But we did see him a number of times throughout the season when Utah wanted an extra lineman in. They brought in Falcon on a couple of opportunities. And his size and strength is just something that's really appealing. We thought he'd start this year. Maybe just another year working with Jim Harding, getting the technique and the footwork down. And he can be Utah's guy at the right tackle spot but has all the intangibles to be successful at the position a couple other guys caleb lomu a high recruit for utah maybe he'll end up playing a guard or something first but he's a guy who played tackle in high school and i do think could be a successful tackle for utah just like how spencer fano we originally thought it would take him a year to get up to you know that playing weight and then he'd start for utah caleb lomu could be that guy who took this year to get up to weight and then he's taking the field next season for utah that's something i definitely think is a possibility also when you're talking about tackles on utah you still got zero williams who's a guy who's got a lot of potential in that size as well so just about getting the footwork and the consistency right all these guys look the part who can consistently execute in the running game and keep quarterbacks upright in the passing game that will be who ends up nabbing the starting right tackle spot and transfer portal Always an option for Utah and never a bad one, too. Even though Utah hasn't really gone that route with the transfer portal offensive linemen yet, I definitely think it's a place they could consider. Because while I like all these options, none of them I'm like, yep, this guy's starting to right tackle, cross it off. It's no longer a concern for me. Just like going into the season, left tackle was a huge concern for me. And we saw that play out a number of times throughout the season where Spencer Fano, being a freshman, he did just have those growing pains. And that would be the same thing if a guy, any of the guys I listed, honestly, because even Falcon would be his first time starting, even though he played a lot. Same thing for Tongai. It would be his first time at right tackle being a full-time starter. So lots of moving pieces and parts here, but these are all guys that I do like, and I think have the chance to be elite tackles for Utah come the 2024 season. It'll be interesting to see what we hear about and monitor this battle come spring ball, even though we saw how drastically things can change because at the time of spring ball, Falcon was the starting left tackle, and then Spencer Fano talk, pa passes him during fall camp. So always something to keep in mind that it's a fluid depth chart always when you're talking about Kyle Whittingham-led team, and honestly, college football depth charts just in general are uh, always going to be fluid. So. Something to keep in mind there. Uh, do want that's going to close out our football talk for the week. Once again, next week we will be diving into all the transfer portal targets for Utah. That'll be a heavy emphasis on next week's show. But before we get out of here, I do want to check in with the Utah men's and women's basketball team, who, as I mentioned earlier, got wins this week and are slated for big games coming up this this coming weekend. We're going to dive into both of those teams in one moment. But first. 
want to talk to all of you about one of the sponsors of today's episode of Locked On Utes in eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions do apply. eBay Guaranteed Fit only available to U.S. customers. All righty, coming back in this one, talk about the Utah men's and women's basketball team, talking about the men's basketball team first. The Utah men's team won 88 to 86 over Southern Utah. Not a impressive showing from the running Utes, but they did not have Brandon Carlson. So definitely became one of those games where just find a way to win. And, uh, you know, one thing that's been fun about this Utah team is it's been guys like surprises, a loss in love ring, Cole Badgema hitting the ground running. And this game, Hunter Erickson's had some big moments for Utah already this season. And this game had a big moment for Kaba. His best game as a Ute. He was 11 for 12 from the field overall. Hit eight rebounds in total, two steals, two blocks, and a whopping 23 points. Cable was a guy last year just still so raw getting a feel and learning the game, and he's still doing that. You see, obviously, this being his best game, he still has those ups and downs, but he really took over in this game and just had those moments where you could feel that this could be the start, the first game of what could be, you know, potentially a Cable being one of the best players on this team going forward. And that's something I think a lot of us would love to see, and I definitely think is possible. So, Yes, it was ugly, but what matters is Utah got the win over Southern Utah, and now that huge game against BYU on Saturday. For all those who listen to the crossover show I did with Jake Hatch, you know I believe that Utah is going to win if Brandon Carlson plays. If he does not, Cougars haven't lost a game all season, and I don't think that Utah would be able to get the upset to BYU if they don't have Brandon Carlson. And speaking of games between Utah and BYU, the Utah women's team took on BYU last weekend. And I know it's old news now, but always worth talking about when you beat BYU 87 to 68, which is exactly what the Utah women's basketball team did to the Cougars. And that started their week with a win, but they didn't stop there as they beat St. Joseph's 74 to 48. This one being played on Thursday night. Alyssa Peely was Alyssa Peely. She had 31 points, 12 of 17 from the field, three of four from three point range, four of seven from the free throw line, seven rebounds, three assists, a steal, and a block. This is a Utah women's basketball team that unfortunately now does have to figure out their rotation and what they want to do without a Gianna Neepkins, but that's where it's nice to have players like Jenna Johnson. Now in year three with the team, Deja Young's been around a little bit. Kennedy McQueen, a huge part of this team's success. Still got Vieira to contribute in there too. And look, it just gets it tough, tough for Utah that you do lose a player like Neepkins. And as I mentioned, I do think that probably takes them out of being a contender for the national championship, but still very much a good team. Hence, they proved it in this game against St. Joseph's. They held them to six points in the first quarter and only eight in the fourth quarter where Utah really took control of this game, outscoring them 23 to eight in that final frame. But Utah women's basketball has their biggest game of the regular season. And I know you could say, oh, it could be a Pac-12 team based on the seeding implications. That's very true. But the Utah women's basketball team will take on South Carolina this Saturday. It'll be in a neutral site as they are going to be playing it in Connecticut. 
And this is a South Carolina team that Coach Staley has just done a great job retooling and rebooting. They had the top player in last year's draft, and yet here South Carolina is once again 8-0, first in the SEC. They've beaten the North Carolina teams that was ranked. They've beaten Duke, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Maryland were two top 15 teams they beat to start the season. All this South Carolina team does is win. They got some size, so that's going to be something Utah has to deal with too. And I know Utah's got Peely, but I'm talking about South Carolina has some real length versus Peely is, you know, a size, but is more of a stronger player than she does use her length to block shots and things of that nature. So very curious to see how this matchup is going to go for Utah. It's going to be an electric one, that one coming up on Sunday, and it's going to be a fun one to see how both the men's and women's teams do this weekend in big showdowns, as well as continue to monitor the transfer portal. And if you have any questions and are curious about anything involving the transfer, portal or just things you want me to talk about on next week's show make sure you leave them in the comments below hope all of you have a wonderful weekend and can't wait to be back with you coming up next week as we talk more transfer portal and react to these exciting basketball matchups we look forward to seeing you then have a great weekend